keeps telling me it's a little different, but I haven't managed to make my way out to Houston yet to see exactly what it looks like. How you doing today? Uh, I'm doing pretty well, I gotta say. It's uh I'm at that point in my life where everything is 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 going pretty well, you know. You know, it's a quiet on the home front and I get to travel about and go to Malifaux Cons and get my teeth kicked in. It's it's going pretty good, I gotta say. You have a you have a young kid at home too, right? I do. She's uh, 15 and a half months now, Alice. She is a, she's a little gem. That's a great, that's a great age. I have two 12 year olds at the moment. I don't recommend it. <laughs> Trade the child in before they get to that point. It, 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 it only goes downhill from there. And then it picks up after they become adults. Cause I have a 22 year old and a 21 year old as well. So like once they become adults, like they can actually be friends and that's kind of cool. Like you get this different relationship, but Teenage years are—it's—it's it's just trauma. Like all yeah. parents should have to go to therapy because of their teenagers. I, I am—I am looking forward to. It always feels like you know the the second go around of like a um, you know being able to coach someone through those tough times because you know you remember middle school in the back of your head and you're like, all right, here's what you got to avoid, right? <laughs> and so I, I'm definitely looking forward to those. But I certainly understand there's a there's a level at which you know them being able to. Uh, you know, turn on the light switch and get up by themselves becomes mildly less impressive. So I, my, uh, uh, youngest, <laughs> he is always, always been, uh, up five o'clock in the morning from the time he was little to mm. now 12 years old. He is up at five in the morning and the day he learned to make his own cereal was the best day of my life. <laughs> 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 he used to have to set an alarm clock in his room and say, okay, look, you can't come out until this says seven. Even if you're up, stay and play, but you can't come get us until seven o'clock because he oh, would be wow. right in the room. I'm hungry. It's breakfast time. When are you going to make me breakfast? It's 6 a.m. It's breakfast time. Oh, gosh. Yeah. No, I hate getting up before like nine, but it's still, it doesn't matter. Once once the baby's up, we're up and we got to we gotta roll with those punches. So, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that. But uh, for now, you know, I'm trying to enjoy every second of it that I can because I know it doesn't last and you just got to no. eat it up while you got it. No, it doesn't. Um, and it's good that you're getting some you time in and playing some Malifo too. I'm sure Vassal has vastly helped that. Um, yes. So miniature games are, you know, they're, they're our thing, obviously, but there's tons of other options out there. You know, video games, Magic the Gathering other miniature games, you know, there, there's so many options. Why is it that miniature games in particular are what keeps you playing? I have to say it comes down to um, a couple of factors. One, I like the social engagement of it uh, because at the end of the day, because there are miniatures, you must have other people to play with. And typically you must be in person. Vassal is, of course, an exception. But even then, there's a lot of social aspects going on there. Uh, and the other part of it is, uh, to my knowledge, there's never been invented a real-time miniatures game, uh, which sounds insane. But um, what that means is I am allowed to kind of slow down and think through what I'm going through. Uh, and at the ripe old age of 29, uh, you need you need that time to actually think out what you're going to do. And, you know, you, you know, you watch the latest and greatest, you know, StarCraft players or what have you. And it's yeah. like you know, their APM is 60. Like, I don't I don't need to hit 60 actions per minute in order to play Malifaux. Um, and so the, there's a lot of uh, kind of the the slower, chiller vibe when it comes to miniature gaming uh, that I really, really enjoy. Um, but yeah, it really, the biggest thing is the community. Um, 
and at least specifically for Malifaux in comparison to others, uh, not that I want to spend the entire podcast just, you know, bad-mouthing GW, but the, uh, the, the community for Malifaux, I would say, is in and of itself much calmer, um, and I've always had a good experience with it. Like, even if you have your, you know, cavalier, loose cannon, bad boys, even that is much tamer. Uh, in comparison to other communities I've been a part of. Without a doubt, without a doubt. Um, many less fedoras. In, in yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like, I played, uh, of course, I played League of Legends for a long time. Oh, yeah, same. When I got into my 30s, I realized that, like, my hand-to-eye, like, response time was slowing down so much that, like, 20, 21, 22-year-olds were just killing me before I even realized they were on the screen. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. It is time for me to play a different game. Yeah. <laughs> and League in particular is so salt-inducing. I was a top lane main for a long time, back in, like, seasons three and four. And, like, the the after, like, the 200th game where you're being camped by a jungler and you just can't do anything about it, and your team's like, just ward bro, sit under tower. You're like, nah, man, this isn't going to work. Yeah. Um, it, at some point, you're just... You get you get fed up with it, and at, at least for Malifaux, you don't, or you know, board games or uh, miniature games in general. Uh, the only person persons you really have to worry about is the person you're playing and yourself, and that's it. There's not you know any kind of two v wanting going on, nothing of the sort, um, yeah. unless you signed up for that intentionally. Um, and so, I feel like there there's a lot more, I don't know, calming aspects of the game itself that I really enjoy. Um, and yeah, walk. Yeah, I'm with you on the the walk away from League thing. It was like I love the game to death. The lore is awesome. Arcane's great, but uh, yeah, it it gets you going. Yeah, I will say um, that I don't know if you if you tried or not. And I know this is a Malifaux podcast, but um, mm. God Tier is the closest thing I've seen to that like League of Legends style uh, game in a in a miniatures format. It's hmm. a lot of fun. I know people are super hesitant about Steamforged after the Guild Ball fiasco, but it's a super uh, yeah. good game. And unlike Malifaux, when I want to be able to get in like a bunch of games at one time, they play in like an hour. So it's kind of wow. nice. You know, when you sometimes when you go to the store and you've got, I can play one game of Malifaux or I could play three games of, of uh, God Tier. Sometimes you just want to play, you know, like Malifaux is a great game, but. It is mind-numbingly hard. <laughs> <laughs> Especially depending on who you're playing into. Yeah, no, I definitely yeah, get that. For sure. Like, if you're playing somebody like Cody, who is just, like, watching the different levels of the Matrix as, as you know, you're playing <laughs> with the Net-a-Sketch. The differential equations flying around his head. Yeah, he? yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just, like, he comes to you after the tournament, and he's like, man, you know, like, I really think that I could have done a lot better that game. And I was like, you won like eight two. <laughs> he could have denied those last two points. Those last two points, man. He was like, "Yeah, I definitely had to give up a couple points so that uh, you know I can make sure I got my eight. <laughs> like, man, life must be hard. <laughs> Standards are high over there. So why Malifaux in particular? Oh, several reasons, frankly. Um, but I will say that a lot of it comes down to the core mechanics of the game itself. So like. If you have like a particularly massive crew, it's like 10 dudes. Um, and so having watched other people paint 180 orcs for an army, 
uh that that's not my jam um and i also played warhammer fantasy a lot and i also love warhammer fantasy to death but you know at some point you get real tired of painting skeletons and it just it's it gets monotonous and so the model count really appeals to me and the other aspect of the course uh the cards as the luck generation mechanic i feel like it turned luck into so much more of a thinking man's game and when it comes down to it comes down to it you can only flip the black once you can only flip the aces four times and then you're done and you don't have to worry about that like it's all uphill from here um so i like that a lot um and it, it leads to a much more calm game because even if you have like a really awful like opening part of a turn you can be like well you know there, there is going to be a yin to this yang um and so I think the game itself tends to be or tends itself towards a calmer play experience. Uh, the other thing that I like about it um, is with that calmer experience, the community that comes with it that I mentioned earlier, like even at its most like hot, takey, egregious, angry moments, Malifo is just strictly calmer. I've never had a dude, you know, throw his miniatures across the room in a Malifo tournament, but I have seen people throw their miniatures in a 40k tournament and like i said i'm not trying to dig here at 40k but it's there's something about the game that just gets people that extra level of aggressive um and malifo doesn't do that um and then beyond that i would say like my third favorite thing about it is just like the spread of uh kind of vibes you can play with right um the the absolute range of ethoses i mean you can do like you know spooky ghosts you can do robots you can do cowboys you can do giant murder demons like there's the the slew of things you can bring together and play um is i think really enticing so i think all of that brings together for malifo to be my favorite miniatures game i've ever played yeah i painted um 480 plague monks and that's what <laughs> hell with that yeah, I was I was so over them, and like I went into it going, I love the lore around Skaven. I've read all of the, um, I read the uh, Gotrek and Felix novel where the Skaven like they had this really cool Skaven Slayer novel, and I was like, I love this concept of these crazy little like. Obviously, I play I play Bayou. You know, mm-hmm. I love the crazy weird guys, and um, yeah, I had this great scheme. I had like figured out everything I wanted to do. And I painted like my screaming bell and it looked freaking cool. And I painted my rat ogres and they look cool. And then I got to those monks and this massive sea of monks was in front of me and I got through them, but I was like, never again. That is heinous. So like the next army I bought was uh, Beast Claw Raiders because it was like eight big models. (laughs) And that's it. (laughs) Like, absolutely not. This is is torture. No, I had my um, my tomb guard death death star, and you know you had you know your king or whatever. But even for me, like I'm not a painter at all. Like I do not enjoy the hobbying the hobbying aspect of miniature gaming, uh, which is really tragic because I love miniature gaming. But like I got through like those first ten tomb guard of like a thirty block, which is such chump change compared to what other people have to paint. And I was still was like, oh my god, how does anyone do this? Um, so it you know yeah. Once you get past that, and even with Malifo, I still commission my stuff. Like I just like I've never had the the the, the ambition to paint well, uh, you know. And I could paint well enough for my own people, but for the most part, it's uh, it's just not my thing. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it if you got the money to spend on it. There are people out there with the talent and uh, the desire to take your money. So yeah, absolutely, more than happy to pay pay them to to get it painted up. I've done some commission painting for locals and. I don't, 
I don't hate it, and and please, local people that I painted for, don't think I'm bitching about you, because um, I'm not. <laughs> I love doing it for people, and like mostly, I don't even get money for it. They usually just like, hey, I want this box, so they'll buy that box for me. And I'm like, mm-hmm. cool, I'll get this done. Um, and I like it. Like I like playing around, doing different things with like the models when I get them. But I could never be a full time commission painter. I think it would kill any enjoyment I have of like actually doing you know any painting because i've got uh mcp models in this act this room actually i've got like a, a whole shelf of malifaux a whole shelf of, of mcp models my old uh fantasy armies are, are back there too uh collecting lots of dust mm. <laughs> but i do i do enjoy the hobby aspect i wish i had more time to really like dig into it but grad sc- student single parent it ain't happening <laughs> Yeah, that's not a recipe for a lot of painting getting done. It's amazing. I get my one game a weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So what is your favorite faction in the game? This is actually a tough question because there's, I definitely have like my favorite master in the game, but as far as faction goes, I think I might actually like 10 Thunders as a faction the most. They have the most like spread of masters that like hit a high note for me like Shinlong like you know Von Schill's like a cool manly guy but like as far as like the the manly is due to Malifaux in my opinion is Shinlong like the shirt off the abs out like he's ready guns out he is ready to play and I, I dig the hell out of that but at the same time like the Oni keyword's really cool I love Last Blossom that's a super cool vibe basically I'm a giant weeb and Ten Thunder calls to me on that level I keep trying to like figure out lists to make the Lone Swordsman work um, and then on top of, you know, the, all the flavor that goes into the 10 thunders that I really like, uh, some of the mechanics are just super cool. Like the, like Chi is like an extra resource management thing. Uh, you know, if you like messing with the cards, Jacob Lynch is super cool. Um, and then like planning, like where you're going to bury and unbury with Masaki and like, you know, getting all your, all your crew into the right spot to maximize your charge bonuses and all that stuff. Like everything about the faction is cool. So like, while uh you know my true love lies elsewhere in the faction realms 10 thunders as a faction is really cool and i think they're probably my favorite of of them all i like them i'm a big fan of i'm a big fan mm-hmm. of mythology and stuff and and the oni and yokai are very cool um and it's interesting to see like where weird taps into that like sometimes they get it you know they, they take some liberties with it like jorgumo are traditionally women as a matter of mm-hmm. fact, Gorkuma means like uh, I think the the widow spider or something of that. That's mm-hmm. um, so the fact that all the sculpts are male is a little weird. <laughs> but um, I'm really excited for the Kimon army to come out for the other side because I can't wait to see what big giant crazy oni they do for their titan. It's going to be really cool. Oh man, I'm excited already. Yeah, hopefully I'll get to play it. I haven't. I didn't pick up the first four because I just. There wasn't anything that just resonated with me. So I was like, you know, I'll wait on it. We'll see what happens. I did all the playtesting for it and, and kind of helped like make the game where it is. But nothing in that first set really was like, this is what I want to play. And then they were like, we're going to do an Oni army. And I was like, yep, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Like, John Quay is the first, uh, the first master they released for it. And I was like, oh, I'm so in. This is fantastic. <laughs> you know, I keep hoping for the success of the other side. I, I, you know, looking at Malifaux, you know, it, clearly it is Weird's most popular game, I think, at least for, you know, what I see at cons and stuff. 
but I never really see any of the other side, which I think is tragic. Um, cause at least for the other side, you know, I really like the King's empire as a vibe like that, that appeals. To, I like the little, <laughs> like it has that vibe so well. Yeah. Um, and so it, uh, it's sad to see that it doesn't have more play right now. I hoping that, cause they keep pushing the other side real hard, at least with all like the crossover boxes and stuff. Um, I hope that pans out. I do too. Um, they are starting uh, Vassal Other Side tournaments, so anybody who's interested in that, pop over mm. to the weird forums. They've got their own Discord and everything. Um, yeah, it would be great to see them, and I'm hoping when they release the two new armies, we'll we'll see some some full support. I think with Weird, they just underestimated how much effort it takes to do a second major you know, uh, project on top of keeping Malifaux going. Um, well, and timing just didn't work out for the other side either. Well, and logistics has always plagued them. So I'm not surprised that it kind of took a while to get up and running. Yeah. When, when you realize that there's only like six people, eight people running that whole, like the whole show over there, like it kind of paint a picture of like, it's impressive that they have done as well as they do. Um, with as small of a of a company that they are, um, agreed. I'm still it's still like I'm super glad they made it through the pandemic because when the pandemic first hit, I was like, man, this is gonna be rough. But then I think that Vassal community mm. really just pulled it together and held it through. Can't um, agree enough. Like, yeah, the, the I I had the same fear right at the start of the pandemic because you know I was going to my my uh my Wednesday night mouth as often as I could and uh, when that hit I was like oh man we're done for but the hype stayed alive like Vassal was it um and frankly I'm glad that Vassal took off like it did I I at least for me personally it was a blessing in disguise because you can uh get way more games in because of Vassal than you could ever dream of taking at a at a game store you know because even one game is going to take you like four or five hours of your day as an investment. Um, just to get there, set up, you know, flip everything, get it all done, pack it all up and go home. Whereas Vassal, you know, you click the X and the board's cleaned up and you're done. Um, yeah. So love that to death. And, you know, I think it also provided a good opportunity for me to become a much better player uh, than I was at the start of it, just because of all the reps. I'm Vassal's actually super dangerous for me because like, I'll look at stuff and I'll be like, hey, I can play this keyword. I don't have this keyword. And then I play that <laughs> keyword and I'm like, I kind of like how this plays. And the next thing you know, I've got all explorers. Oh yeah. It's a, uh, <laughs> it's the, uh, you know, the first one's free kind of drug of, uh, yeah, of, of, you know, cause you, you play that keyword and you're like, Oh, this is awesome. I should buy this. So, yeah, no, yeah. I definitely get that. Um, one of them, I got the whole Von Stutt keyword cause I just got tired of getting beat by it. And I was like, <laughs> these guys on the table, I'm going to figure them out. And uh, I, I still get beat by it. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great thought, though. I, I appreciate the uh, the drive to be like, I'm going to play him to figure out how to beat him. That's, it's that's such a stacked keyword, man. Like, even with all the changes they've made, it, it's still just such a stacked keyword. Like, their undergraduates, I guess, are not great now. And that's about it in a keyword as to what's not just a solid for the points cost model like yeah well i mean you could make the argument that sinew aren't great but i do i do agree that it comes down to like there's just other models in the keyword that are just a little bit cooler like if sinew had like the experimental tag like mcmorning would love to have sinews students of sinew yeah. in his keyword 
Uh, but Von Stuck looks down from his ivory tower like, oh, you're not a viscera. And so like, it just never sees the play, sees yeah. table. That's, that's, that's fair. That's fair. And his <laughs> title is so cool. Like the model looks neat. I love the, the rules for it. Um, just the idea that this dude is like looking at the stars while the battle is going on and there's zombies around him going, uh, boss, 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 <laughs> somebody's hitting you, boss. <laughs> 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 yeah, no, they definitely did did good with that one. I like the sculpt a lot. That's probably one of my favorite things about Malifaux is how well they blend um, theme and play. They're like, <clears throat> I play Age of Sigmar as kind of like my fun game, and they've got a lot of like really cool lore and stuff built into the cards and everything, but it's always like, this guy has a giant sword that he's had for 400 years. It was forged in the, in the demon pits and uh, you roll an extra die. Right. Like, you know, yes. The, the theme isn't built into the mechanics. And I feel like one of the places Malifaux hits like just on all cylinders is that when you look at Nekama and you're like, Nekama has demons. They do this crazy black blood thing. That's really neat. She looks super aggressive. The keyword looks super aggressive. I know how she plays, right? Like, I love that. Yes. And you look at, um, like, Hoffman, and you're like, oh, big stompy bots. They're going to, you know, move across the board and be hard to kill. It makes sense. They're, they're freaking robots. And yes. that's exactly what they do. Um, which I guess leads us into, uh, what is your favorite keyword? Well, uh, since you asked, uh, it's, of course, Nephilim. I, and I think my... My rise to infamy with Nephilim uh, and why I love them so much uh, was like the speed and the aggression that they, you know, exude in the models and also in the mechanics is uh, it's my favorite hammer to hit nails with. It, it comes down to like the keyword itself is squishy like you look at a young nephilim it's like seven wounds defense five and you know you can count black blood as a defensive mechanic but it's pretty much just region one on a smile and so like they should get pasted all the time and in fact if you're not good at nephilim they do but the um and i'll grant you the combat finesse is annoying for a lot of people but for others it's just a complete non-issue but being able to be like i need that guy way back there to die right now uh, they're they're capable of it. They can do it. They can dive back there and get to them. And so that that always appealed to me mechanically. But I must say that I did I you know fell in love with Nakima as a model back in second edition um, because I loved the True Mother as an upgrade. And so like this idea of being like this huge violent murder machine that is also like feast my darlings and I'll kill you if you hurt my kids like that. I don't know why that but that vibe just like really appealed to me. Um, and so Lilith was just a means to an end to put Nikima onto the table effectively. Uh, and so when third edition came around and Lilith died and Nikima was the new master, I was like, just as planned. So um, I, I, you know, I, I fell in love with the keyword even more after that. Um, and Broodmaster or Broodmother kind of like reemphasizes that whole, like, I'm the queen and you're going to, I'm going to feed my babies and you're going to like it. Yes, yes. No, it definitely leads into what I really enjoyed flavor-wise about Nikima. So I, I dig that a lot. But I mean, obviously my my favorite form of her is always going to be Sword Maiden. I like the huge damage track. I like putting it in small models and watching them explode. Like it's <laughs> it's nice. It's real gratifying. Um, and so, yeah, I got to go with Nephilim as my favorite keyword. 
as a as a Bayou player, I'm slightly traumatized <laughs> uh, by Matthew and Lucas for a long time. They were just the the keyword that I looked at and go, how how do I do this? And I have like a hundred little ways I could think of to be like, maybe this will work. And like the bottom line is if you don't know your crew and don't know how to like counter that aggressive play, you're just going to get mulched. Like, yep. you know, your, your target priority has to be down. Your uh, activation priority has to be down. And, uh, you know, you just have to, to hope that you are a better player than the, the Kima player. <laughs> um, sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you can lure Nekama into a pit trap with Ma and watch her die. And other times she just flies right over you and eats you. <laughs> yep. Yeah, the, the feast or famine is definitely in full effect with the Kima. But, uh, yeah, I think... You know, in in the new age of Malifaux Burns, Nakima has somewhat lost her dominance in that regard, just because a lot of the prevalence of things that she didn't really like, like armor and shielded and stacking and all. Um, and then, you know, things like the meddler just came in. There's a lot of things that kind of cut her teeth in ways that she didn't really gain back with Broodmother. Um, so I, it does pain me to say that the god Empress does not quite reign as she once did at the start of the edition, but I... Uh, I, I'm a diehard loyalist. She'll always be my favorite keyword to play. Well, and that's one of the things that that Malifaux is great for. Like, I am a, I am a Sommer stan. I love Sommer <laughs> Tina Jones. I love the whole big hat keyword. I played probably my first 100 uh, games of third edition with just big hat. Like they were wow. just fantastic. Um, and early on, they were really, really strong. And and, and the Errata, and then the GG two. Uh, changes really like put the brakes on him and I was like okay I can't mm. can't play him anymore and I think that's kind of like what kind of got me like spiraling out of Bayou into different factions picking like I don't think I've played a single faction straight for a while now just because like I had that anchor point of Sommer which was my favorite and then Sommer became like not that you couldn't play him but that he was it was so many more steps for Sommer to do things than it would be to just take Ophelia or Ma or Zoraida. So yep. like, I was like, you know, this doesn't, I, I feel like I'm working too hard to play Sommer. Um, I have been experimenting with Sommer too and the White Rabbit. I think the White Rabbit does loads for that keyword. So I'm excited <laughs> to get him back on the table. Um, I still think GG2 is not super right for him. We'll see what GG3 looks like when it finally ever comes out. If it out. ever comes out, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so, you know, sometimes that happens, and then, you know, the next thing you know, like, they change something, and then you're back on top again, and yep. everything's great. So, you know, you kind of have to... It's the one thing with, like, a living game like Malifaux is that you, you never know, like, when something is going to move up and when something's going to move down, which I don't hate necessarily because like everybody gets their chance hadn't been changed from that first errata and he was still just dominating every tournament all the time i would be so tired of it by now i would be so done like i think even shin long players would be like you know this is kind of dumb we're tired <laughs> yeah well and i do appreciate that it is a living game and in that like even models that are out like they can see those changes you know it, it, weird doesn't balance by 
releasing the next big overpowered thing. It's like, oh, no, no, that was too much. Let's scale that back. I think that provides a lot of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of malleability within the meta because you have the people who always chase whatever they think is the strongest thing. Uh, those people are valid and important, and I like them. They, I am one of them, I think, to a certain extent. Um, but I think that the other aspect to it is that a lot of people won't play things they don't find honor in. Um, and for me, uh, that was Shin Long in GG0. It was like, yes, I could just turn negs into positives and then brain dead declare irreducible damage three times and kill anything. But I'm not sure what I'm getting out of that. That was like, oh, yes, here is my finesse. Receive 15 irreducible. <laughs> like, it just didn't appeal to me. Um, and, like, you know, more power to the players that played it at the time. But once he received that nerf, I was like, oh, man, people are, like, going to leave Shin Long. And now, now there's, like you know there's that power vacuum behind that and i'm like oh, so maybe that maybe there's some other things that people weren't considering and so it always gives you something to think about and i think it's so important for a game to do that um yeah. and Malfo really accomplishes that with the and, kind of the living game the weird has been pretty pretty good about like there's been a couple times in weird history where they've kind of like just just dive bombed a model um colette in second edition was one of them yes in order for the most part, they've been pretty good about being sort of light on some of the touches and then also like going, well, okay, we screwed up last year. Let's, you know, let's fix it a little bit. Like with the, uh, the fact changes for another. On oh yeah. From one to two. Like that, yeah. that helped a lot. Like, you know, and, and it's a complex game and like, we're not going to be able to pick up every single one of those things and play this. Yeah. It's, it's insane to try to think that, that we're going to capture it all. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's so much out there. So uh, Texas meta is infamous at this point for being mm. very aggressive, like turn two, kill everything as much as possible. Yep. Um, what is it that you feel makes your meta strong and keeps people playing in, in that instance? Well, uh, this is going to be a, a, a shaking of the faith for uh, for some of us, but I think that the the Texas meta first rose to infamous infamousness, infamy, infamy. That's the word I'm looking for. Infamy, yes. uh, in 2019 at LVO, uh, because that was the tournament in which uh, five out of the top six players were Texas meta players, uh, and the only people that we didn't curb stomp realistically were each other, um, and so it was this kind of this very grand tour de force in someone else's region um and i think we gained the reputation of being aggressive because of probably like two or three key players that started playing that way uh like right out the gate uh and then everyone else being like oh man in order to keep pace with these guys we have to play that way or we just get murdered um and so everyone in our local meta started playing that way uh, and so it just became kind of a, uh, you know, another day at the office, you know, I've got my alpha, he's got his alpha, we're going to alpha each other. And then whoever lives long enough gets to run schemes. And that was, you know, how we, how we started playing it. And I think, um, I think Texas is always like, even outside of Malifo, like anytime I hear about a Texas meta of a game, it always ends up being just like a little more aggressive. And I don't know if that's just cause you know, we're proud. Remember the Alamo people or I don't know, but um but with that being the case, uh, yes, I think I can point to, I mean, myself included, obviously my initial rise with Nikima. Nikima is all alpha. That's all she does. Um, and so trying to play around that forced other players to be like, all right, cool. How do I deal with and provide my own alpha? Um, and I think 
the other important question that you're asking here is like how do how do we keep people playing in something where you're like the game is over in 45 minutes mm-hmm. um i think it is a matter of kind of the uh the spirit decor of malifo itself where like even after a game where you get slaughtered like i don't know like the 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 zeitgeist of the texas meta is like all right cool that really, you know, chapped my hide. You know, I, 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 uh, I got slaughtered big there. How do I stop getting slaughtered? And so, like, the, the question is not, do I really want to keep playing this game? You know, because at the end of the day, like, we'll, we'll kick your teeth in, but you'll smile while we do it. And so, like, it's the, it's the you know, we're not here like, haha, get good, idiot. It's like, okay, cool. So here's these things that I did that I think were really big points for the game. And here's how you should come at that next time um, to try and, you know, uh, bring bring that power level the back to 50 50 between each player um and so you're always improving and so when that next game happens you know and you you get that big alpha off and it goes off you're like oh man that felt awesome um you get that those big moments and then you you catch that high and you're like oh this is cool um and so that 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 just kind of uh starts circulating around um and so like i said it 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 happened in 2019 where this this kind of breeding ground of alpha heavy players um that all really enjoyed it uh, and kept coming back for more and then going out and having Sally Forth, having that great time at LVO um, is what cemented our initial foray. Cause that was also the first year that we were doing, uh, we were participating in the uh, uh, U.S. photo tour um, as a conference. Um, and so, and we were putting up fat numbers for all of our, you know, you know, tons of tournaments, really big tournament turnouts. Um, and so it was this, you know, the golden age of the Texas meta. I think recently, uh, and I said recently, in the last, you know, post-Rona world, um, it's been difficult coming back uh, from Corona for us as a local meta uh, because we didn't get to meet for so long. Um, and so we didn't kind of have that teeth cutting. And so people would move on to uh, different games and other uh, other things to do. You know, you know, I didn't have a child at the start of this, and I'm, I know other players that uh, didn't and do now and so um and thankfully at least the two that i'm talking about me and brian bauer are still playing but um you know i'm sure there are other players that have had other life events come up that you know did not allow them to still show up for tournaments and stuff like that um and so i i will as a hot take within my own meta uh, i will say that texas is not currently the powerhouse nightmare fest that it was in 2019 um not to say that I'm not trying to bring that back, but I, I will say that there are other metas right now that certainly give us a run for our money. We, me and uh, me and Brian went out, and my boy Jordan as well. We all came out to uh, Adepticon, and the, the Chicago meta gave us, they ran us off. Like, the highest we took was third, and I was proud to take third at that one. Uh, that was uh, David Longton and Landon. Uh, they They bloodied our noses. They are very good players. And that's that kind of player. Uh, I think Texas is often uh, limited by its inability or not inability. What am I? What's the word I'm looking for? We find things to be too annoying to play. Um, So like, but they don't have that problem. And I'm not saying that to like degrade them, but they're like, they're willing to win at any cost. And I think that's perfectly fair in a tournament setting. Um, But like, we we didn't want to do like, um, like, you know, command construct spam on Hoffman's second hire like there's stuff like that where you're like yeah you could but like why would you where's the joy in it um and so then when they just start tasing all of your models off the map you're like oh man i can see why now um and so i hate hate that list 
I 100% agree. I didn't even lose to it. That was Brian. He lost to it. But yeah, no, it was an absolute just like wow moment of like, oh God, why would, oh no. And so um, there's that couple extra levels that they've got on us right now. Uh, And I think that the Texas meta, while we are gaining in numbers again, because we're we're starting to see good 15, 16 band turnouts for our monthly tournaments, which is really great as far as we're concerned. Um, the, uh, the, 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 the ruthlessness and the talent to come up behind it or to grow from that, uh, hasn't quite seeded back in yet. Um, so I, I, I'm hearkening for the glory days once again. Um, and I think we'll get there, but it's, it's not quite yet. Well, I think it's, yeah. And I think that's, I think that's a story in a lot of places. Um, I've heard places where there's, you know, the whole meta just crumbled and even, North Carolina, which has been a very steady group of players for a long time, we've we've shed some players that we haven't quite gotten back yet. So, mm-hmm. and we're trying. Um, the important thing is we lost two people that were um, our major tournament organizers. So we've been kind of like having to shuffle the leadership around a little bit. That's and what's unfortunately, hard. Um, I'm not in a position where I can really like be because a, a tournament organizer has to be part cheerleader, part, you know, uh, trainer part. Like there's just so many hats to wear. Yes. And I just don't, I don't have that time as much as I would love to. Um, so yeah, we, we, we're getting 12, eight to 12 people, which is still respectable, but you know, it's, it's a lot of like, Hey, are you coming? Hey, you're going to come. Hey guys, come on. Like, mm-hmm. get out here. Come on. Like, you know, come on. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of newer players that have kind of been brought in and, and letting those newer players know that like, this is just three games of Malifaux. We're just playing three games of Malifaux. Don't worry whether, whether it's a tournament or not, Cody's going to win. It's fine. Like just play, <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's, it's cool. Just, just enjoy the, enjoy playing three games and then we'll all go out to eat afterwards and talk shit. Yep. Right? Like, you know, this conversation like we're having right now is kind of the conversations we end up having after the tournament, which is fantastic. I love, it's my favorite part of the game, honestly. Yeah, that's always a good time. Um, so what are your current or so, so let's talk about um, what is your tournament prep like when you're heading to these big tournaments? Like usually you have the, stream, the schemes and strats ahead of times. So you know what the rules are going to be. You know what like the time limits are going to be. So so how how is your normal like? I know this big tournament's coming up and I want to do well. So I'm going to, you know, put the, 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 what does the training montage look like? Ah, uh, well, I, the Tigers usually my go-to, but um, no, it really comes down to, at least for me personally, I have, and my school of thought has infected at least my immediate compatriots. But typically what it comes down to is that there's like two or three big things that I expect to see at a tournament in terms of like things that I should look out for as competitive things I must deal with. Uh, so to just run down the example, um, I, after Malifaux Burns came out, I was like, ah, dude, Hoffman is going to be spicy. May Fang's going to be seen a lot. And those are the things I'm afraid of. And what does it come down to? I need to be able to deal with armor and shielded. And be, if I can defeat those models, I can take Adepticon. And so that's, uh, and so I'm like, all right, cool. What keyword deals with that best? I feel like, you know, and so McCabe two is what I ran all of Adepticon. Cause like, he's got it. There's great card manipulation. Cool. And so basically I'll take whatever I'm most afraid of in terms of like what I have to deal with. I will come up with a crew that can deal with that 
really well and deal with everything else as best it can. Um, and so McCabe for that ended up being really adaptable. Um, and then I just played the hell out of McCabe. I tried to get as good at McCabe as I possibly could um, to take the most versatile hammer I could find and try and find as many different nails and hit it with that hammer as I could. Um, it's the way that I've always approached the game. It's what I did at um, LVO in 2019. It was like, all right, cool. I'm just going to get as good at Nakima as I possibly can. And really what it comes down to with that kind of stuff is uh, getting games in against people who play really different things um, and figuring out like how the matchup goes. Like Ophelia is a way different matchup than like, you know, uh, Nelly or how that's going to go. Um, and so if you don't know how Nelly plays and you try to play it like she's Ophelia, it's not going to go well. Um, so getting all those kind of those those reps and that combat experience in um, to be able to take that with you to a tournament like that is, I think, the best thing to do. Because at the end of the day, the thing, the losses that you take the hardest at a tournament like that, like you're always going to have the big, oh, man, he flipped the red on the master. Cool moments. Uh, but outside of those, the things you can deal with are I didn't see that coming. And if I could play it again, I could have won. Yeah. Um, those are the ones that I try to avoid, uh, the most. Um, and I think a big aspect of how, of why I prepare like that, uh, that is to say going in on like one build or one master or whatever it is, and then just playing that to the nth degree as best I can, uh, is because I don't want to have to play against myself and also my opponent. Um, and so like, if you have four or five different masters, you can play and pull out of the toolkit. That's great. Um, but I know that I, in my Nakima heyday, like there were still things that I would learn on like the 150th game of Nakima where I'm like, Oh, well into this actually not splashing black bud is more important. Um, and instead just reach gaming them to make sure that that, you know, extra PK attack doesn't come out or whatever. Um, and so that's, like I said, that's information you only get by playing the same thing and playing the hell out of it. Um, and like I said, that kind of approach uh, has also been kind of tempered by the fact that I don't have a huge model range to play with, like literally the models I own. Um, I'm not like, I I'm really more poor for space than poor for cash. Like at some point there's a carrying case that I can take with me on a plane and it is not going to have every Neverborn model that I can hire. Um, so when it comes down to it, I think it's probably one of the more practical ways to travel. Um, and then at the same time, like that familiarity can give you an edge um, that, can come out and play just as much as, oh, I could have had Serena here. If you can just play around being stunned or whatever she could have dealt with for you, um, I think is oftentimes just as valuable. So that is how I like to prepare uh, for tournaments abroad. I agree. Like when I was playing Sommer as much as I did, like uh, it was always cool to like jump in, um, you know, with people that weren't in the, my meta that had already played me, you know, so like they kind of knew what was coming. But you'd, you'd go on Basel, you'd play somebody in a different space, and they would be like, and then you would like turret them down with a pig eating grin, and they're going, what just happened? <laughs> <laughs> How did that work? And I'm like, you know, it took me, it took me 15, 20 games to understand, because Summer's a very complex master. He's got a lot mm -hmm. going on. There's a lot of like gain state stuff that you have to be aware of, um, you know, that that's kind of happening. A lot of if this happens, then this happens sort of moments. Yeah. And it took me a long time to really unlock a lot of that and then go, oh, like, you know, I'll watch somebody else play it and I'll be like, how have I played 30, 40 games and never seen like that? <laughs> like um, the first time I saw, because I, I usually put Bren in, but I didn't think too much about it back when 
you could buy your two card as much as you wanted. Mm-hmm. And like, I watched this guy go through, hit the red Joker three times in a single turn. Wow. And I was just like, that's insane. Like, holy cow. Like that's the, the, the way that the math is skewed when you can throw the red Joker back in your deck twice, because you know, you um, calculate the possibilities to get cards out and then you're flipping so many Bayou two cards that it's just like, Oh, there it is again. Cool. Wow. <laughs> um, you cannot do that now. No, thankfully. Card might as well not even be printed on the card at the moment. I'm a little still a little salty about that. you like an overfed um, Kenshiro, you know, <laughs> it was, it was, it was needed. It was definitely needed. It was too much. Um, but unfortunately, I think instead of changing it the way they did, they should have just completely remodeled the ability and just given them like a plus flip once an act, once a turn or something like that. That would be yeah. handy. Because like Sommer with Bayou 2 card, I am never going to cheat off the top of my deck if I have like a mid-level card. Because if I get a two, I've wasted I've wasted that attack. I've wasted that shot. Like, yeah, not worth it for me. Like Bayou Gremlins, I guess you could toss it out and do that, but you're also summoning less Bayou Gremlins because they changed his stat. So I'm not able to do my good old boy in a Bayou Gremlin, or you know, like you're you're not getting that quality because Bayou Gremlins were basically like they were cards in the bank. You spent mm-hmm. a card to get a card back later in the turn or later the next turn, which meant you always had like a solid hand and you could sculpt it really well while denying your opponent sculpting their hand because they had to ditch their hand at the end of the turn. Um, But yeah, once you learn like a specific master really, really well, and I know like you and I played when you were first kind of tapping into McCabe and Mm -hmm. you were going... I like McCabe 1. I don't know why I'd ever play McCabe 2. McCabe yep. 1 just seems really good. And then by the end of your sessions, you were like, okay, McCabe 2 is really good. Let's play McCabe 2. Yes. Um, yes. I'm always willing to change my mind. When you play, like you have to put those reps in. Yes. 100% um, agree. So what are your current goals right now for playing? <sighs> for playing? Um well, it's a lofty one, and I think I'll probably be swinging at it for quite some time if I'm going to guess. But I want that I want that Gen Con Tyrant Tournament belt. That's what I want. I want that that first place Tyrant Tournament belt. It's a three-rounder. You have to absolutely break off your opponent in every round in order to really get first because it's a three-rounder for 32 players. But I, I want it. Like I got that I got that belt for the uh, the Henchman Hardcore last year. That was a great feeling. And I'm like, man, but I bet that other one feels just like a little cooler. Um, and so, yeah, that, I mean, a very, very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A very specific pointed goal. Uh, but more generally, um, I would say that, like, I want to make Invitational for Nova. So you're going to um, be at Nova? I am going to be at Nova. Awesome. Can't wait. Um, I fully expect to get trounced at Nova. It's literally, like, the best you know, 32 players or whatever, 16 players that the the United States can come up with. So obviously the competition is going to be a little stiffer, but um, just making it, I think it's going to be fun. And that was my goal back in 2019. It was so like, it was this whole thing. My family's always been terribly supportive of my useless hobbies. And so uh, in 2019, I was like, all right, I'm going to put up a bunch of points for the USFT and I'm going to show up the invitational. It's going to be great. 
And the Ronin was like, no, you're not. And, uh, and so, you know, that kind of got put on hold and the whole premise of it was like, you know, cause I should have this big hoorah because then I'm going to be a father and you know, that, that, you know, traveling the country, playing a game and being a dad at the same time doesn't usually coincide. Yeah. Um, but you know, that plan moved forward anyway. And so me and my wife were like, you know, keep going. I mean, it, cause once we got through the first like two to three months of, uh, you know, Alice's life, we were like, okay, so being new parents, there were, there were some kind of, oh gosh, moments. But like, once you get through those, you're like, okay, this is mortal. This like, this is handleable. We can do this. Right. Um, we're like, okay. So, you know, we have not given up our lives and now have to be parent monks that don't do anything fun. Um, and so it, we kind of revisited that topic and was like, so do, do you think you can still do this? Like, can you still take tournaments and get enough points and go to the invitational? It's like, yeah, sure. Um, so uh, I, I got to kind of do my victory lap on that one. And so I'm hoping that I'll, that I'll make it this year. Uh, but yeah, showing up for the invitational and taking that Gen Con belt. Those are my my big goals for playing Malfo. Uh, as far as Malfo itself, uh, I'm actually starting up hosting the tournaments uh, for Austin locally. We've been without henchmen for probably three years at this point. Um, and of course, we have the immeasurable Doug Bowman out of Houston, uh, who has done great work running the community uh, for a very long time. Uh, but Austin hasn't had a rep in that regard for quite some time. And I keep waiting for someone else to do it. And Texas is a huge state. There's a lot of space between cities. and. Yeah, no, we, we literally travel like three hours there, and like three hours there, three hours back to go play in Houston tournaments. Um, and we'll do it happily. And the, you know, I'm hoping that and on May 28th, come on out, uh, that the uh, Houston boys will come on over and try and take our prize money. But um, that, uh, you know, it, it, trying to shepherd the fledgling Austin Malifaux meta uh, back into something that can be contended with uh, is another goal of mine, but I guess that wasn't specifically playing, but I wanted to give that a shout out, I guess. Well, that actually brings me into uh, the next question, which is uh, <clears throat> what do you think is the best way for new players to learn the game in kind of today's state with titles and still opening up for COVID and shipping issues and yeah, all of the challenges? It's a hard one. I would say the best, the most, what's the words I'm looking for? The most palatable way to get into the game, I would argue, uh, is to have someone else you're also getting into the game with at the same time to kind of guarantee that you're at a similar uh, understanding and power level. Um, and pick your crew or couple of favorite crews that you like to play and try to get as good at those as you can. Unsurprisingly, it should look, in my opinion, a lot like my tournament practice. Um, and that you pick something and you learn it to the nth degree so that you understand you have at least an island from which you can understand the rest of the game from. Mm -hmm. um, because at that point, you can start to look at other uh, other crews and understand them at least through the lens of the crew that you know really well. So I, as an example, like I, for the longest time, measured other people's models and how many Nakima greatsword attacks it took to kill things. Um <laughs> And, you know, it's a very high bar for a lot of people, but, you know, it still made the rest of the game make some sense to me. Um, and then at the same time, if you have someone else to get into the game with, which is obviously a hope, you can't always just have someone else that also wants to go in with you. But, um, you know, trying, at least more generally speaking, trying to find someone of a similar skill level and learning with them, I would say is the best way to get better at the game while not having your morale broken. Because, um, at least for someone, you know, because the Texas 
community has you know some still some big fish in the pond uh if you're just going to get your teeth kicked in every wednesday of your life and that's something that you can handle emotionally then more power to you and i envy your emotional fortitude but um that is not for everyone and uh if you can do that great but like i said uh easing your way into the game with someone else who is also getting about as good at the game as you are week to week uh i think is an important aspect of it um because if people only had me to deal with as how to learn to play Malifaux, like that wouldn't be fun. Like if you're just getting into the Malifaux game, you're like, cool, you got wiped eight one again by the end of turn three. Uh hope you had a great time. Like that's never that's never something you want to have as like your only experience in the game. Um and so having that kind of the similar level as you climb up the ranks. And I of course want you to get good at the game. Like everybody wants to get good at the game. Uh but getting to that uh should also be a decently pleasurable experience. And so that would be my recommendation. So you guys have heard it here. Andre says, steal people from the GW crowd. <laughs> already play miniature games. Get your friends to come over and play. 100%. All you have to say is like, dude, to own a whole, to own a whole keyword, you only need like a hundred to $150 in miniatures. And they'll be like, you can what? Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any more money after spending. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely agree with that. Like uh, we've been lucky in North Carolina that we had, Alex and now we have Cody and like I think those two players being as good as they are have increased our level of play like they um because they were also very supportive like and that's the one thing I think that is so great about Malifaux is I have never met any top player who is just like I'm just gonna kick your teeth in and walk away mm-hmm. everyone I've met has been like all right so here's where you went wrong and let's figure out how you can stop that mm-hmm. um and that and i mean like and that's everybody from uh you and cody to um landon jamie varney um reese radic they're all great guys and they will all sit with you but after a game and be like okay so you know this is the point that i saw that things went wrong and here's what you can do to sort of like course correct afterwards and it makes your opponents better and and i think that's really important because like you know if you're the biggest fish in the pond and you're just like going through you know link style just slashing down everybody (laughs) in your way like yes it it stops being fun right and you stop enjoying the game when all you're doing is just you know slaughtering the lambs like yes and there are some people uh that enjoy the you know what i call the the white whale complex where it's like all right well i got my teeth kicked in for this eighth week in a row but i'm gonna get you next week um and so you know and i know that this group of people exists because elden ring is a popular game but the uh like i said that that isn't you know isn't an everyone approach but i mean if that's something that you enjoy doing then absolutely uh, getting a getting a really good player who's good at explaining like what mistakes you made and how to improve on that next game is absolutely the fastest way to get good at Malifo. Um And so, if, if that's something you can go for, then yeah, definitely go after that for all of the uh, uh, hopefuls listening in. So uh, we are going to put on our developer hats for just a minute, and I will ask you if there is one thing that is currently in the game that you would like to see change, what would you change? Hmm. And this can be models. This can be rules. 
uh, how would I? There's a couple of pain points for Malifaux, certainly. I would say, so uh, if I'm going to pick a specific model, I would say Sparks. Uh, there are so many games where Sparks is a part of it, and I am sad because of it. And it really comes down to, I really don't like how Bombs in Your Belly works. Uh, even the like the new one. Like, the old one was also lame, but like the new one is especially rude. Um, it I mean, I, I will admit to bias because it is especially bad for Nephilim because we come together and mutually annihilate instantly. Um, except that I'm spending hit points and they are spending shielded. And that doesn't feel fair to me. But um, the like Scrapyard Mines is so rude and it's so brain dead for his keyword to get scrap out. Um, that you're just like basically permanently inundated with injured and damage for doing literally anything. And by extension... Uh, it does touch on my least favorite part about the core mechanics of Malfo, which is how hazardous works. Um, I think if you have someone who is playing into hazardous as the mechanic and just like goes whole hog into it, like anyone who's ever played into a mysterious emissary Zoraida knows that that sucks so much. It sucks so bad. And there's nothing you can do about it unless you're just arbitrarily immune, which is a part of why I liked McCabe too, honestly. But like, Hazardous, if you have to deal with it, blows so bad. And Sparks reaps the benefits of Hazardous in spades. Um, and so I really don't like Scrapyard Mines. Like, hostile work environment is also really frustrating. Anything that's like, haha, your stuff to deal with me can't be done because you can't target yourself. Like, anything that messes up your own flow of how your crew is supposed to work. Like, I understand that counterplay is important, and I'm not saying that hostile work environment as a concept shouldn't exist. It should just not exist on a model that also has scrapyard mines uh, on it and also bombs on your belly. Like, the amount of value that that model brings to the table, he should be an enforcer still, so I can kill him and play the game. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I agree. I agree. The moving him to henchman status was actually surprisingly good for him, and it wasn't I mean, like, the original Bombs in Your Belly was um, was a negative play experience, 100%. It was totally agree. It changed the amount of bullshit that you could do um, with that card. Like, especially when, like, Sommer was able to... Uh, you put Bombs in Your Belly on test subjects, and then Sommer was able to do his ability to make them explode, but they didn't die. So you took damage. Mm -hmm. And if you hit them, you also took damage. And it was just, yes, it was too exploitable. I think was the problem. Yep. And the new bombs in your belly is still exploitable. Not quite as much, but the entire package of sparks is a, uh, is a frustrating experience. Well, and he's the other issue with it is, is that he can be in so many different places. Like he's in Bayou, he's in any place may fank and hire him. So also Arcanists and also 10 thunders. And so he, he is a common occurrence and he's so freaking annoying. No one's ever been like, wow, that sparks game that y'all just played. That was so fun. Like no one, no one's ever walked away from an experience with Sparks on the table going, yeah, I'd love to play that one again. Like, ugh. And he's better now, I think, that Mayfang 2 exists. Um, yeah. She just supports him in such a way that it's like, oh, cool. Like, not only are you getting your face pounded in by the Metal Golem, but she's just pooping out Metal Gammon. They're making more and more scrap that you now have to deal with. And yes. Then, yeah, it's, it's maddening. Um, I do, yeah. I do agree about hazardous, especially since we are seeing more 
and more hazardous terrain show up in the game. Um, more ways to mitigate hazardous would probably be something to, to see along the line because, yeah, there's just... I feel like every other game that I play these days has something that creates hazardous terrain. Um, and then yeah. you're like... Or you're like, you bring this hazardous crew and they're like, oh, yeah, here's Karai. <laughs> yes. And you're like, yeah, okay, that was cool. This game's done. Well, and it, it really comes down to, like, it's it is not hard to do and also if you built your crew around it you just like lose like yeah so like cry like cry into mayfang like she's like mayfang goes from the most oppressive like piece of garbage thing to play into to cool i'm gonna poke your metal golem four times and it dies and like so like the the yin and the yang on like it is either oppressive to play into or completely useless depending on whether or not hazardous matters um and you know, um, it just doesn't feel like the greatest game design choice Weird has ever made. I'll put that as absolute softball statement as I possibly can. But um, I was very not for how Hazardous worked in the beta, and it it shipped. And I'm like, okay, guess we're just going to deal with this now. And so it, the fact that we see it so prevalently, as you mentioned, um, just does not feel. Uh, I don't know. It just doesn't feel good. This doesn't feel good. So yeah, as far as as, as far as experiences go, it's an exploitable mechanic, which is the problem. Yes, because there's so many times where it's like, oh, this works this way, so I can do this, and then the next thing you know, there's four hazardous bubble bubbles in your crew, yep. and you're just you know, look, I can't activate because I will die. Yep. And if I take an action, out, like the gymnastics of like, how do I save this model? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so that's my looking in the opposite direction. What is an addition that you would like to see in the future of Malifo? Hmm. An addition that I would like to see in the future. Um, I like um let's think about this. So Malifo for me, you can find any kind of mechanic that realistically, you know, it within the realm of you know, playing the game of Malifo. There's mechanics everywhere. If you want to do card stuff, you can do card stuff. If you want to do fat damage, you can do fat damage. If you want to turn off everyone's stuff, you can do that. Um, so as far as like like a new mechanic or something like that, I, to me, there's nothing new under the sun. But as far as like flavor goes, I would have to say like there's a couple of different things that I, I look for in Malifo and could see more of. Uh, that is, I feel like Rezzers hits like every classic like undead trope you can find except for vampires for some reason like there's just not any vampires in Rezzers and I feel like that's the most like it's literally a game set in like the early 1900s there's like Victorian garb everywhere um you know there's the life sucks vibe in Malifaux like it all comes together and seems like it should be the perfect backdrop for vampires and there just aren't and I'm like why um it's been a weird joke since first edition that weird does not do vampires i don't know what the origins of that joke is but but it's it's been a it's been a thing since the very beginning like no vampires and it's so that always threw me as weird um but like to a greater extent uh i always love seeing like big manly macho dudes so like malifo is at no shortage for like cool like melee master chicks like the like justice is awesome the vix are awesome nakima is obviously my favorite in the game and I am all for that, but I also want, want like my, uh, you know, the you know the Dark Souls boss fight where it's like I'm this huge hulking like thing, and I'm gonna rip you in half. And so like the matures kind of hit that vibe, but there's not like a master that really like right. capitalizes on that vibe. 
Um, and so I, I want I want like some big beefy raid boss. Um, and you know, because Nikima, like I said, scratches that itch the best for me right now. She is, of course, you know, a 15 foot tall flying huge sword, like magnifique. But um, you know, the the roid raging I want like you know, immaculate huge pecs and ripping people in half. That's what I want. Um, so if I could see see more of what, what's the official term? Where's my my more beefcake in my mouth? Oh, I'm right. definitely down for that. Did you play uh did you ever play Borderlands? Yes. Are we talking like Mr. Torg? Yeah, 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 yeah. Just give me Mr. Torg. Just put him into the game. I am all for that. Well, like, you know, and there's so much stuff in Malfo that's like clearly for the fun of it anyway. Like yeah, sure. like Sue, like you read the whole card, you're like, yep, cool, Johnny Cat. Like top to bottom. And I love that. Like I love that you could get into that or like um there's just so many triggers that in the game where you're like, oh, this is a super fun reference. There's stuff like that. So like, there's clearly things that we do that's for the fun of it. Um, and so I, I, I think, or at least for me personally, I get, I would uh, really enjoy that kind of ethos being brought more into Malfo just to see it and play it. I will agree that the uh, sword lesbian trope is definitely strong in Malifo. <laughs> um, and I have nothing wrong with it. I just want my no, beefy no, boys awesome. too. Awesome. As a matter of fact, Malifo probably has the most female representation inside the game of almost any miniatures game I've ever seen. I agree with that. And they're all, and like, for the most part, like they're, you've got the gamut. It's not just like one specific trope of female characters. Right. You know, the clearly evil female character, the Mm -hmm. trying to do the best they can character, the character that had to sacrifice her integrity to free all the black people, you know, in, in the guild, under the guilds, like, that's a huge, like, that's yeah. a huge thing. And I yes. love that one of the cool things about the story of Malifaux is that the characters feel very real and don't, like, even though they are built on tropes, mm-hmm. they make, you know, they, they aren't two-dimensional characters. They have a lot of, like, and it feels that way when you play the character. Um, yeah. So, I really, I really enjoy that. I think... For me, the thing that I would like to see is um, I've been playing a good bit of uh, Marvel Crisis Protocol, Mm. and they have some really cool boss raid encounter style um, setups where it's like one person is playing Thanos, and then you got two or three people playing a crew trying to beat Thanos before he completes his goal. Mm -hmm. And those are super fun. Like, and I thought, like, (laughs) I've seen it happen in games before where it was just super imbalanced one way or another, but MCP has been knocking it out of the park with these, like, and you've got, like, uh, this giant, like, Dormammu character uh, Mm -hmm. recently, and then there's, um, I think there's a hell of one that's getting ready to come out that's really cool. I would love to see that kind of, like, neat story encounter in Malifaux, where instead of, like, a lot of, like, oh, this is specifically one person going head on with the other person. One person has this obviously very strong force. And then two people are like, okay, how do we beat this? Like, this is mm-hmm. ridiculous. Like um, in first edition, Ramus had this giant um, device called the Leviathan that, that he was, he tried to take the anti, or the Kathira device with. And it would be really cool to have seen like the Leviathan versus Lady J and the Vix trying to take it on at the same time. That'd be cool. 
Um, I, I would I would absolutely love that. And like I don't want to play it all the time, right? It's not something you want to play every time you go out. But like, right. it'd be cool to be like, we got three people, we got an afternoon. Let's see what happens when we do this. <laughs> um, all right. So last question for the night. Uh, you get a tournament where you can bring can build your own faction. What mm. main keywords are you bringing in the Andre faction? Ah, oh, man. That's a good question. Uh, I mean, I'm a simple man. I like beaters. And frankly, my entire faction would probably just end up being beaters. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it came around at the top. But even then, like, you know, Justice, uh, McCabe too. Like the like all the masters that I love playing are like the big control the combat beaters, um, and so that is probably what my faction ended up looking like. Uh, I am now daydreaming about handing matures lightsabers uh, because that would be dope as hell. That would be awesome. Um, but so yeah, I would. I, you can probably look at like the the my in my wake and see like what I would just end up combining for the entertainment value. Um, because they all tend towards the same things that I do like, which is mobility, big damage, um, and, you know, if you live, great. Um, and so, uh, yeah, McCabe, Nakima, Justice. Uh, I will say that I have developed something of a taste for Maxine. Um, I actually really, really like Maxine's, uh, like, the card manipulation mechanics, because uh, I would not describe the keyword as big damage, uh, she, she, she would be like my, uh, my dark horse pick, um, uh, to bring that in as like a, you know, if I'm really, you know, I'm going to have to do break the line and I don't really need to like kill people to succeed or, uh, symbols or what have you, then like bringing that in as my, as my dark horse pick, um, cause she's a ton of fun. She's so much fun. And it has a lot of adaptability to it, which I think is really important. Uh, Maxine too is pretty damn beady. She can be for sure. Yeah. She she relies so heavily on Harada to be truly scary though, and that it's it's such a linchpin that it scares me. And also, people poop on Maxine one, and I don't know why. And so uh, there, there's something in me that is like a champion. You know, everyone wants to be a snowflake on some level. So like the champion of the underdog, Maxine one, uh, it, it appeals to me. I love the card manipulation. Being able to be like literally write any any condition you want onto someone's face is magnifique. Like it's just. Yeah. It's like, oh man, it would really suck if that trigger ever went off. Uh, so it won't. Here, stunned. Like that is so nice. Um, so I really enjoy that. So it'd probably be like, you know, I'll rescind my initial statement. It's like going to be like eighty percent beaters, and then Maxine, and then uh, Zoraida, just to just to just to make people, you know, because Zoraida is like an, a real nice like opening tilt choice. People hate playing in the Zoraida. Um, and frankly, she's fun. I think she's a master that really rewards, um, what do you call it? Like game mastery itself. Like if I can tell you every trigger on your card, like Zoraida is a good master for you. Um, and so uh, that that would be to like my round out, to round out, you know, so if they're like, you know, this is the Andre faction. So he's bringing beaters, right? So I can always have my Maxine and Zoraida picks in the back pocket. But yeah, mostly just beaters. That. Have you played Bashel yet? Uh, I have not personally played Bashel, but I, uh, my best friend Jordan is playing a lot of Bashel right now, and he's loving the hell out of it. There's just something gratifying about like running into a crew and being like, "I don't have to hit anything. Here's like three sixes. You all take four damage and die." Like that's that's so cool. Uh, he's brutal. I played him. I played against him, uh, Jim, 
from the other coast played against me. And um, I was playing, I don't even remember. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I had like um, the Hooded Rider just outside of my deployment zone on standard. Mm. And he's like, I think he got Bashel like 24 inches and still managed to kill the Rider in a single activation. <laughs> and I was just like, Oh, and then I'm like, okay, well, that's not too bad because, like, now he's in my crew. I should be able to take him out. And the next thing I know, two executioners spend their whole turn getting <laughs> into my crew as well. And so turn yeah. two, I'm down 11 points, and there's Dashel, and there's two executioners, and the executioners can use soul stones that they get because they're killing my guys. And I'm like, yep. oh, I hate this so, so much. <laughs> <laughs> it was brutal. It was absolutely just a massacre um and i and i as i was playing him i was like this has got to be a crew andre would love because it's got the mobility yes. it's got the punchiness it's got the card draw you know like it's the it's kind of the whole uh and these guys are so much tougher than nekama's crew yes yeah no the yeah the once you put armor because uh at least for the crews that because me and him have been talking about it for a long time so like the ideal crew comp is like Dashel with a coat and then his lead executioner with a coat. And then they just like sit there and play distraction car effects while the, you know, the rest of the crew comes in behind and either, you know, you're blasting out pale pulses or whatever, but um, being always able, being able to have an option to deal with something and having the reach with rush and frenzied charge is just, it's awesome. Um, And then the healing coming out and the summoning, like it's a really, really powerful piece. He's so great. <clears throat> All right. So we are going to move into the uh, knowledge game. So I'm going to pick a card in the game. Okay. And um, let me go ahead and just pull up which card I'm going to pick now. All right. So I'm going to pick a card, and that card, um, what's going to happen is you'll have four four guesses. I'll pull a card from this deck that I have with me right here. If it's a weak card, you can ask for the stat line, the wounds, or a non-unique front of card ability. Um, for moderate, you can ask for a non-unique trigger, the soulstone cost, or one of its characteristics, like living beast, construct, versatile. Mm -hmm. um, if it's a severe, you can ask for its station, its faction, or a non-unique action on the back of the card. And then if it's a joker, you get to pick any of those results you want. Gotcha. So you'll have four cards and four guesses. Okay. All right. So let's see. Top card is a 13 of crows. So it's a severe. So it's its station, its faction, or a non-unique action on the card. Uh, let's go with station. It is a minion. It is a minion. Well, that's still a pretty blank check. Um, I'll see if you're pandering. Uh, young Nephilim? It is not a young Nephilim. Fair enough. All right. Uh, guess two. This is a two, a weak. So it is a stat line, wounds, or a non-unique front of card ability. Uh, stat line. It has five defense, five wounds, five move, and a two size. The most basic stat line you could get. Yeah, that is not helpful. Um, okay. So you save your guess for later if you want. If okay. You want to more cards. I yes, I will. I will okay. see what the next card is here. All right, so let's see what I got. We got a 10, so that is a moderate again. 
non-unique trigger, soulstone cost, or a characteristic? Uh, let's go with non-unique trigger. A non-unique trigger. It has, I could be really mean here, but um, let's go with, uh, it's got worthy opponent. Oh, uh, there's only one minion in the game with worthy opponent, so that will be a 10 Thunders Brother. Absolutely awesome. Um, I was gonna, I was gonna say surge, and then I was like, <laughs> "Well, there's not a lot of minions with surge, but yeah, That's yeah, true. yeah." It's got quite a few. Um, it's got quite a few triggers. It's got reposition, defensive reflexes, delay, worthy opponent. Like that's all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, pulling off on the second guess, not bad, not bad. Thank you, um, thank you. The fact that you were just able to rattle off, oh, yeah, there's only one worthy opponent minion. That's pretty impressive. I like that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So is there any subject you want to like have a quick chat about, or did we cover it mostly? Uh, uh, let's see. If for some reason the listeners abroad find themselves in Austin on May 28th, come on down for our first local tournament in forever. Uh, other than that, uh, I don't have anything to really plug you know, long may the God Empress reign. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that same weekend there is a two-day tournament in Atlanta. Um, I'll be going mm, to that one. Tragic. Of, uh, I don't know what I'm bringing yet. They have an Iron Scorpius set up for it, but it's really, really weird because not only can you not, like, it, you don't have to do the Iron Scorpius, but there's a prize if you do, like if you're the top, um, if you're the top placement with iron scorpius but it's like you also have to iron scorpius um enforcer and henchman models that have um so like you can only bring a rider once mm. in the tournament um wow which certain factions that really hurts like guild is crying yeah that. um so i'm not sure if i'm gonna try for that or if i'm just gonna you know take two keywords that i feel pretty comfortable with and and uh run with it I haven't decided whether I'm going to buy you it or I'm going to never born. Um, mm. I love New Euripides. Just so much oh, Hippetomancy is awesome. It's it's frustrating for your opponent. My only issue with, with that is the same issue I kind of have with um, with playing Zoraida when you remember to do her reading the cards mm. is that it just cuts into your playtime. Yes. Um, so that's the only hesitation I would have for playing Euripides, but um, I love Pandora too. She's a lot of fun. She's really frustrating to play. <laughs> I just got um, a full Nephilim crew, um, including Broodmother. The only model I'm missing is uh, the Noxious Nephilim, which I can proxy pretty easily. And so, it's a great, um, it's a great model. I highly recommend it. I might put a couple, might put a couple reps into that before I go, but. Um, yeah, I'm excited to get to play another two day tournament. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, no, those are the best ones because you, you know, coming in, you know, either you got, you know, demolished the first day and you're like, all right, I'm coming back for some dignity or like that, those, uh, those, you know, shaky morning moments where you're like, oh my gosh, I've won my first three games. Can I do this? Yeah. Uh, so either way, it's always so much fun. Yeah, day two, there's like nothing more nerve wracking than knowing you have a potential to place. But if you fuck this up, <laughs> yep. like that first game is like, and last tournament I was doing pretty good at Captain Con, and then, um, and I and I had Owen, 
And I looked at the pool and I was like, man, this is a perfect Vix pool. I'm really expecting him to play Vix. Um, I've got Explorers. So I was looking at the kids and I'm like, man, I don't know if the kids play well into the Vix or not because they're so squishy. Um, mm. And then he just totally flipped it on me and played uh, Terra. And <laughs> I was looking at Explorers and I'm like, I don't know. And it was Terra 1. It wasn't even Terra 2. And I was like, I don't know how to beat this. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't I don't know how to score points against this crew. And like, on by turn two, I think I missed getting the symbol by like an inch or an inch and a half. Oh, man. And it was like, there was one scheme I could score that I was just off of, and then the strategy I was just off of. And it was a snowball after that. Like, um, you know, his models can just come in and kidnap. Uh, 33 could just kidnap any of my models for free because they're height one. Uh, it was oh, wow. it was brutal. And so after that, I was like, you know what? It's fine. It's fine. I'm just going to get the last game in and have fun, and this will be great. And then he brings Karai. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I did have a great time. I played the kids the entire weekend. Um, and I played Double Master was allowed. So I played the kids with McCabe 2, which was a blast. I played Ooh. the kids with Cooper 2, which was also fun. Like hmm. Cooper 2 plus Sandworm are, and the um, the totems are beasts. Oh, that's so good. So he okay. Can discard a card, make them swing. If you've already like ditched your cards to try to stop Cooper, then they come in and hit you with a uh, parasite token. And if you've played the kids yet, once your one of your beaters gets a parasite token on it, it's it's done. Oh, it sucks so bad. It's, yep. Like, um, and then the McCabe two game, I played against the guy playing Marcus, and um. I put the uh, upgrades on the uh, totems. And so he went in to run in with Marcus and I was like, uh, you got a parasite token on you? He's like, yeah. I was like, okay. So you're minus two to that attack. <laughs> and like a stat four Marcus feels awful. Like it's yes, just it does. so bad. So yes, he had to instantly like change his whole game plan to how do I win this without punching? Mm. And it didn't work out. You know, like it was a good game. He really almost turned it around, but wow. Like, that McCabe too with uh with those upgrades on it was just as brutal. It was absolutely brutal. So I enjoyed playing the kids for for you know the time that I played them. Um, I'll probably pull them out again sometime soon because they're pretty much the big thing in Explorers that I really liked. Mm. They're my style of shenanigans. Yeah. Um, it's too expensive now to throw one in um, Calypso and run it away, which is hilarious. So, <laughs> I won't be doing that anymore but <laughs> fair enough <laughs> all right well um everyone listening i have another streaming show where i do the city of mist rpg it's on my youtube channel um foxtail games or on my twitch channel mx made so uh pop in there if you like rpgs and leave a comment and uh hopefully you guys enjoyed this thank you for coming on and talking with me andre yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. All right. Have a good night, everybody.